this afternoon we're going back to the 53rd chapter of Isaiah and I was as I was telling y'all Sunday this is it's not a rhetorical question but it's a question that lends to uh, maybe a dichotomy of two that can be said here it says who had believed our report and that word report and, and uh, said would be our he heard the doctrine our gospel or whatever because even though Isaiah made this statement it's a prophecy a dual prophecy and the prophecy really is expounded more by the apostle Paul in the book of Romans the ninth 10th and 11th chapter because it was aimed at the Gentiles also because Isaiah was already told that a lot of them wouldn't believe they wouldn't understand and that the Jews had rejected rejected the sayings of the prophets and had transgressed his laws and hadn't kept his laws and what we say to one we say to all if they rejected that it's like when Jesus was talking to the people and they said send Lazarus that he could tell my people, my brethren, not to come to this place. And he told them they have Moses and the prophets and they said to to send Jesus and he said but if they didn't believe Moses and the prophet they wouldn't believe one though he rose from the dead. And though we see the truth that lies in that parable and and that is that Jesus Christ came bearing witness of God's word. He came preaching the kingdom of God and the question is who believed the gospel? Who believed our report? Who had believed what the apostles say? See because if it's a belief there as John the Baptist says bring forth fruit meet for repentance and if you believe in what someone says we would be actual doers of the word if we believe what the word of God says and the report is to preaching the gospel and I tell you the death burial and resurrection a lot of people uh, a lot of churches concentrate the death burial and the resurrection but when Jesus was coming he said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand the kingdom of God so the glad tidings of the good news is that man has been reconciled unto God. Yes, Jesus Christ did die for our sins, for the forgiveness of sins, and we've been released from bondage. But that release from bondage calls for us believing what Jesus Christ had said. Because he said, if you continue in my word, then and you're disciples and you're not free. But that death, burial, and resurrection was an aspect or element of the gospel. Those are there are different elements within the gospel. So you can't just take one portion and build a, a, doctor, build a, build a religion around it, a belief system. We have to live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God and we can't contradict any other portion of scripture. So we know that the word of God and that in this latter days he had set the fivefold ministry, the pastors and teachers and helps and different administrators in the in the church for the perfecting of the saints, so that we would be without a spot of blemish. And he tells us to study the show ourselves approved, workers that need not be a, be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that we're not to forsake our assembling together ourselves. So what? We can hear the gospel. Because you can't hear without a preacher. And he can't preach unless he be sent. See, because we're saved by what? Faith. By the word of faith. And faith cometh by hearing the word of God. See, so it's through God's grace that all this manifests itself. So there's a lot of components to this. It's just not a simplification as John 3.16 says. We quote that scripture and we go on off. But there is a lot of people that believe Jesus died for their sin, but they won't be saved. They believe that there is a historical Jesus. 
I, I read last week and when we started off Sunday that he, James says even the devils believe and tremble, but that doesn't mean that they'll be saved. Believing has to have what? Obedience to go along with that belief. You have to be a doer of God's word. So it's not just knowing that there is a God. A lot of people know that there is a God. They believe in intelligent design. They believe in creation. They believe in a lot of these things about God, but they do they fear God? See, because the fearing of God is, is a departure from evil. It's a repentance and a turning away from our ways. Now we read in the book of Romans, the first chapter, about natural revelation that God that we see that there is a creator that had to create all this a lot of people the creation itself testifies that there is a God that this thing this just didn't come into being and that if you study evolution the holes and all of these other things you'll see and the creation itself reveals that there is a God there's public revelation of God and then there are counterfeit and genuine Christians. Though those some say they believe, your actions testify louder than your works. If you don't go to church, I really don't want you to tell me you believe the gospel, you believe in Jesus Christ, if you don't go to church. If you don't love your neighbors, if you don't love one another. So your works, James says, faith has work in a faith without works is a dead faith but now we can't base the whole gospel on all of that we can't base it up on works because those were out with signs and I told you like some people like to see people baptized they like to see a lot of things but then there will be those that do the works they'll cast out devils in Jesus name and it's a lot of them that have preached the gospel. And Jesus tells in the last days there'll be many an antichrist arise and says Jesus is low. No, he's here, he's there. Everybody proclaimed Jesus. Even the Jehovah Witnesses had started proclaiming Jesus. And I hope I can get to the part where, where when they deny the Son and say Jesus is a God, that eliminates them from believing because I'll have to get through that to kind of break it down and exegete it a little bit more. But all of these things coming about, so we have to have some sort of system because outwardly you could have the works and profess Jesus Christ and we see the churches in Revelation believe that there was a God in the Laodicean church. He was on the outside of the church knocking to get in he says open up your arch door let me in I've been I'm outside in other words that they're lukewarm he's about to cast them out of his mouth so the church he tells them to repent quickly unless I come and take away your candlestick in other words the little light that you do have he'll take it away so believing the gospel requires faithfulness to God's truth it requires faithfulness to dodge truth. The book of Proverbs 16, chapter and the 6th verse says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from me. Now that's not you being good, that there are a lot of good people in the world and they have a natural goodness about themselves, but it's not in obedience to the faith. It's not that it's a natural but this has to be because of the fear or reverence of God that now this supernatural birth, birth, this being born again. You see what happened? When you are born again, then you are able to do what Jesus Christ tells you to do. That's from believing the gospel. He gives you the ability, the power to become sons of God. Because without that, you could have feigned love for one another. But you must be able to love your enemies because if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. And Jesus says, love your enemies. Love those that despitefully despitefully misuse you. So we see people talking about the liberals and how conservative and Christian nationalism is. 
But I think the liberals have it more closely because God tells us to love one another. So we have to love the homosexuals. We have to love those with same-sex marriage. We, lo- we have to love all men and live as much as peaceable that lies within us. So we have to let God do in the judging. We can't judge people and make all these judgments that we do doing and foster an element of hatred to where you have division in the nation. You have to be just like Daniel in the lion's den. We all have to... The lion was in the den with Daniel. The, the lions didn't eat Daniel up. They mind their business and Daniel mind his business. God kept the peace, right? Now when they threw the other people in that were rebel rousers, that were troublemakers that wanted Daniel thrown in the lion's den, the lion ate them, tore them apart. Right? So we must be able to abide with one another because we see is God causes even your enemies to be at peace with you. When a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies be at peace because it's only God that can reconcile the enmity that lies without and within these things. When the snake bit the serpent bit Paul, it didn't cause harm to Paul. So we see the, the child laying on the aspis hole. We see in the kingdom, we see nothing can hurt in his holy mountain. Poison things. You, he says you'll have to be able to drink deadly poisons in the, because there's no more death. Right? So as we believe in God, God takes those elements away. There is no more dying. God has changed us. So it's our attitude or our belief in God that constitutes this kingdom coming about because it says the kingdom of God is within you and it's among you. So that takes the fear of the world and fear of what could happen. It's like Job says, that which I feared has come upon me. So at some point in time, Job was offering up sacrifices for his sons and daughters. He says, perhaps they've sinned and perhaps they've did this. But that's what he was afraid of, that his children would sin and God would kill them, or something would happen, and that they would be cursed. He says, so that what I feared has come up on me. But we see that Job wasn't in bondage to these things. He wasn't addicted to them, just like a lot of them. If you take somebody's color television, <laughs> if you take the watches and computers and all of the modern technology, they won't say the Lord give it and the Lord take it away. When you take away the health, he even took away Job's health, but he wasn't bound by the health. So the good news that none of these things in the world can bind us if we're in Christ Jesus. If we reconcile unto God. So the good news is that he had died to save and tear us away from bondage. Also in the preaching of the good news, he said, I won't send sickness and the plagues that I put up on Egypt. I won't put them up on you. Because within that good news, by his stripes, we were healed. So within this word here, you have, search the scriptures, in them you think you have eternal life. But if you fear God, he gives you wisdom and knowledge and understanding that you would acquire all those things. Now you have to walk circumspectively after acquiring all those things and you have to depart from iniquity. Let him that named the name of Christ depart from iniquity. It says by mercy and truth, loving kindness and truth, not a superficial ritual of just praying or acting and this is an outward thing that you're doing and really in your heart you hate your fellow man, that you hate your brother and, and if you that way, actually that way, you can't love God, so that's the inward work that needs to be happening. That needs to be a circumcision of your heart. You need a new heart. So that's why he says you must be born again. So Israel, that's why Israel couldn't do this, because he had his natural chosen people, but that was for a natural reason, but then he had his spiritual chosen people, the ones that circumcision, the circumcision of the heart and not of the flesh. Not by outward circumcision of the flesh that they were saved. It's the, the one that is a Jew is a Jew inward. It's the circumcision of the heart. 
because he said he would give them a new heart. He would sprinkle them with clean water and that they would keep his commandments. They would walk in his commandments and they would love his commandments. Wickedness is cleansed from the heart and by the fear of the Lord, one avoids evil. I say, it's like Joseph. You keep that in mind. Joseph went into Potiphar's house doing all the work and Potiphar's wife says, come and lie with me. He didn't look for a reason to lie with her and say, God wouldn't find this out of the husband, wouldn't find it. He says, how can I do this sin in sin against God? So he was way ahead of David. See, because somewhere or another, even though David was a man after God's own heart, he felt with all of his accomplishments and he got lax. He got and pleasure, and that shows us that we must always watch no matter how many battles we've won and no matter how much God has been with us. If a righteous man turns from his righteous and do evil, then God forgets all of the righteousness he had done. Now, he saved David for purposes of our sake and because of his love and his mercy endured forever. But the consequences of David's sin was there. David slept with Bathsheba and he says, The sword will never depart from your house. So he brought iniquity. He says, The sins of the father shall visit the children to the third and fourth generation. So by fearing God's word, fearing God, that's the beginning of knowledge and understanding the fear and reverence of God. That's to those who believe God's word. That every transgression, every sin and transgression shall receive its just recompense of reward. So if you fear God, you will be a doer of God's word and you know that God means what he says. So Joseph says, how could I commit this sin and this deed and sin against God and that God had given him all he had given Now God's word brings it to our attention and those that say they obey the Ten Commandments or whatever, thou shalt not lie. So it brings it to the word that we must tell the truth no matter what the consequences. That the truth grows us in, in God and being able to face the consequences in life showing that we do trust God and we obey the truth. Obeying the truth does not forgive sin, but it plays a part in cleaning our minds of the garbage and bad habits lodged in them, our character so we are less likely to involve ourselves in sin because I don't want to have to, this thing to come back and bite me nowhere. Sooner or later you have to lie or shade the truth or whatever. So you want to do things. That's where boldness comes in at that you, you know that this is not done in a corner and that whatever's done in the dark is going to come to the light according to God's word. So if we hide his word in God in our hearts, we'll love the truth and we'll do truth. God's truth says we must not bear false witness and that must be obeyed. And we see where the conservatives, when it fits them, as Tony Perkins said about some things that Trump had did and lied about, he says, we'll give him a mulligan on this or whatever. Joking about sexual sins and marriage and in marriage, and, but then come to, I think I told you the other day, a Supreme Court case that just passed, they passed a law, they ratified reversed the law, was about a fictitious being that didn't exist in the man that this was supposedly about, when the reporters researched it and everything, they said, well no, that's a lie, I never did say this, and that this Colorado law that was in Colorado about same-sex marriage and everything, I says, I've never been a, a lover of opposites, I mean the same sex or whatever. I've been married for 18 years. This situation never existed and come to find out as your reporters dig and research it. So when you lie, here's a Supreme Court justice. Now, it didn't come up. Well, this was a fictitious thing. Now, you didn't ratified and made a law against this, and this is why people don't trust our courts anymore. It's truth is trampled on in the streets. So we can't be a Christian nation when our president, when our courts, when our legal system, when our leaders, our clerics, the laity, all of the preachers and things, 
when religion does this, it's blasphemy to God. So who had believed our report and who is the arm of the Lord revealed to? So because there's some out there that think that you can be a wolf in sheep's clothing, but if you believe the gospel, you'll know that you can't go far with that because of God's word. And you know the power and the awesomeness of God when I was telling you last week about the healing of the paralytic. That we would know everything is naked before the eyes of God. And of Christ. 1 John, the second chapter, the 26th, 22nd, 25th verse. I'm not aiming this at the Jehovah Witnesses, but listen to what this says. Who is a liar but he that denied that Jesus is the Christ? What does Christ mean? The anointed, the Messiah, the King. Not that he's a God. Jesus claims that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we know that there's but one God and that God had given Jesus a name above every name. That in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Okay, so that that bunch Jehovah there, the name of Jehovah, we see that Jesus has the preeminence and he's the fullness of the God here. That's the place God had given him. He is an antichrist that denied the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son, the same, the same had not the Father. If you deny Jesus' place as, as God, you deny his place as the Son of God. Not as a God, but the mighty God. The everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. The wonderful counsel. He says, he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father. So if you acknowledge that Jesus is all those things, you have the Father. But if you don't, and you still saying Jehovah, now hold on, now this name of Jesus, the, the scriptures have said this is a name above every name. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. What have you heard from the beginning? This start being preached with Abel. This been preached all along. And that Jesus was coming in the Old Testament, it preached of his coming. Remember Balaam, when he was with Balak and he was prophesying, and he said, I, I see one coming that's not a that's not people, and he was seeing Jesus coming. All of them. So who had believed our report? This gospel has been, been preached ever since the beginning when God preached that the woman would bear a son. He had promised the woman's seed would crush the serpent's head. That's Jesus. That's the Lamb of God. This gospel has been preached ever since the beginning because he says, let us make man in our image. What us is he talking about? This report, this thing starts at Genesis and goes all the way to, to Revelations to the 20, how many chapters in Revelations? 22 to the 20, all the way to Revelations when it says, blessed are they that do keep his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life, that they may enter in through the gates into the city. For Jesus have sent mine angel to, for I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and shining morning star. And the spirit and the bride says, come. Let him that hear it say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. For I testify every man that heareth the words of this prophecy. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall take away his place and, and, and give him plagues and that uh, upon him. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part of out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that which are written in this book. He which testified these things said, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord, Savior Jesus Christ, be with you. Who is that? That is Jesus. From the beginning 
to the end, the Alpha and the Omega. Now, if we go back to the 53rd chapter, the second verse says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He had no form of comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did not esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of, of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone out of his way, and the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of, of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Who are they talking about? Jesus. So if we go suffer as Jesus did, we're going to do the same walk as he did. Men's going to treat us the same way. Our families going to treat us the same way in our people. So we have to do as he did, take up our cross and deny ourselves and come after them. We may not have the glory and the riches. Now, do you believe that report? That's, that's the word that's been preached all along. The prophets preached it. The apostles preached it. That's why he prayed in John they that believe on them through thine words. Whose words? Our words. Well, who is he talking about? Well, it must be us, huh? Because a lot of people, when they say the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, he says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, he had made us witnesses, not just the Jehovah Witnesses. He had made, he said, ye are my witnesses. That's what he said in Isaiah we are witnesses of him. And we have to tell this story. We have to keep on telling this story everywhere we go, singing and rejoicing of what he's done in our life. Now, if he hadn't done anything in your life, don't tell it. But I can't help but to tell what he's done in my life. And I see in this book the reality of it and have faith in it. And I'm going to keep on telling that story. Now it says... If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in ye, ye also shall continue in the Son. If that's going to remain in you, you got to continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he had promised us, even eternal life. Now see, that's what we're looking at, the promises of God. That's the gospel, that's the good news, that all of these words have come true. He had justified us, he had made us right with God, he had bore our sins. He had loosed us from bondage to sin. He has put us in proper standing with God. And that now, who can see that God has done this? Who believed that? See, if you believe that, I'm going to see that in you. I can pick this up. It's just as Paul seen the man that he had faith to be healed. He hadn't put it in his orbit, but he had put in in those that he had chosen from the foundations of the world in this gospel. That's why the gospel has to be preached to every creature. If you preach the gospel, some will be saved and some will reject it. But the hearing of God's word genders faith. It's a catalyst. And you say, you know what? I believe that. Something deep within me births that brings that to birth. Something God had placed in me, he had said it so when I hear that preached, I'll have faith in those words because it says, my sheep hear my voice. That's why we have to purge ourselves from evil. Now, uh, the I can still harp on that and go in. I got it in the Amplified and in the Living Version. I think we went, went further enough in that to realize that this gospel, this word has to be preached. And it's not just that, but it's the doctrine. And that's why it says, beware of the doctrine. 
Now here, John appeals to the brethren to hold fast to the truth that they had been taught since their calling. See, because that's why when he called Paul, and Paul was on the wrong side, he didn't know who Jesus was. You remember Paul say, who art thy Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus who you persecute. So with the apostolic doctrine, those people, as Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees, starts to realize that this Jesus is the same message that they had learned as a Pharisee. Now that's why Romans is so complicated because Paul was a top Pharisee. He knew the law. As touching the law, he says blameless. So that's why he chose Paul because Romans is a really heavy book. And that's what's wrong with the church. We think that we can give God five or ten minutes a week or whatever and be a true Christian, but it's going to prove you're wrong in these end times, the deceptions out there. The antichrists are out there. And if you don't think that you're going to have to give more time, that he must increase, that it's going to take hours of your life, it's going to take you denying yourself, your life. i got to study day in and day out. Well, it's up to you. To abide in the Son and the Father means to remain faithful to God's way of life. Spiritually, or grow spiritually and become more and more like God. And that's in John, the 15th chapter, in the 4th through the 6th verse, which I didn't But we'll grow in God. The 15th chapter of John says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, Except it abide in the vine, no more can you except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abided in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So you remember it says Jesus grew up as a tender branch? Well, if when we have our calling, if we abide in the word, we are the branches. He's divine. We are tender branches. And you remember the foxes feed off the tender branches. The, the, the sower that sowed the seed, the birds of the air came and tried to take the word away. Some were sowing on good ground, some on bad ground. So as tender branches, we have a period in a time of growth. But the more we study God's word, the stronger we become, the more increase you become. So you shouldn't be letting just these novice and different people or any fly-by doctrine take you away. If you study, it says you won't be tossed about by every wind of doctrine. That means when you're sitting somewhere and somebody come in that's a Christian with a lot of foolishness and you can detect the foolishness right away, you say, well, look, I know you say you're a Christian or whatever, but we, we, we disagree on that. And you can let him go by his way. I'm not going to argue with you or try to convert you or whatever. I don't want you to waste my time. See, because that's where the fight is in the church. When he says he's going to fight against the church, it's a lot of religions out there. We could start, let's, let's lower the boom on. You know, whether you were just playing the play, paying the play. In other words, you're going to some prosperity or whatever and all of this other foolishness giving away your money for cars and everything and you wasn't trimming your lamps. Now you go buy those that buy, you go to those that buy and sell and learn the gospel. You've been learning about money coming, but then let's see, do you know about suffering and when it gets hard, when the rubber really meets the road? You're going to say, give us some of your oil. You're going to say, no, if I give you some of mine, I won't have enough. You go somewhere else with that. That's going to be many of them. Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? I never knew you. And it says Ephraim is joined to his idols. Let him alone. Let the, let the, what, what did it say? Let, let, let everything, each tub sit on its own bottom. The only way we can do this is by remaining faithful to the truth of God that the apostles taught from the church's founding. 
To those who remain faithful to his way, God has promised eternal life. If you're faithful, John, 1 John 2.25. So the apostle doctrine is what you need to be. The apostolic doctrine is the word that he gave to them. Now let, let, let's be clear about that. Now. The ability to comprehend mystery. Remember I say, there's a mystery of godliness and there's a mystery of iniquity. A mystery is something you can't figure out. Now, when we're talking about mystery, we're not talking about Columbo or something, figuring out how this plot goes or whatever. This thing has to be shown how it's done. I tell you what, you ever watch that show called Leverage? Mm-hmm. They got two. They had two shows. They had a renewal and they had the original. You know, many people don't watch the re, the renewal, the newer show, the, the new show, because it's revealed what they're doing all along. But in the old show, what happens is they fool everybody. And at the end, then they come show you what was done. You see, the secret things belongs to God, and God says, as you, my friends, I'm going to reveal this to you. That's why it says, at the revelation of Jesus Christ, God's going to reveal, he say, you are my friends, and he's going to show you. He has to, this is something God has to reveal. You can't figure God out. You can't figure this thing out. Like I say, you can't go to God. God has to draw you. So don't think you will sit there and plot and figure in, in your thoughts and your ways. That it, they're not like God. His thoughts are far above your thoughts. His ways are far above your ways. Up is down to Him and down is up. You have to humble yourself. This is a prideful nation and people don't like pride. You know, humility is the way to go with God. He says, my people would humble themselves. Some witnesses to this miracle that we were talking about last week in Mark, the second chapter in the 12th verse, says we never saw anything like this. Others claim we have seen strange things today, Luke 5 and 26, and they were confounded. You know, that's why it says, a sign is not the strongest witness, you know, because a lot of times people see things and their eyes have fooled them. That's why we have to walk by faith and not by sight. Because what we see may not be real. Our eyes can deceive us. They say eyewitnesses sometimes give a horrible view. And if you read the Gospels, the synoptic Gospels, a lot of the gospel writers tell the different versions of the same account because it's from their perspective in which they were writing, not that it was wrong. But from what perspective was you seeing these things? The miracle they witnessed was one of a kind, different from anything that they had ever saw before. No other gods compare with God the Father and Jesus Christ. And the miracle of the paralytic, he taking up his bed and walking, what Jesus was doing, they were shocked and they were stunned. But Jesus knew about people, and he, he went on and preached the gospel to other cities and things. He said, because the only reason you followed behind me is because I fed you and I healed you. You know, you'll go a lot of ways. You know, people will flock to the tents with people that feed them. You know, you announce a free giveaway or whatever. You have a line back to the end of you know, into the place or whatever. You announce you got healing and, and and these people will walk or whatever. But are they walking in Christ, or is these lying signs and lying wonders in which Jesus said there will be a plenty of them in the last days because of adulterous generation looking for a sign? First Kings, the nineteenth chapter. 4th through the 15th verse is about Elijah. Remember Elijah had killed the prophets of Jezebel and that they had put him on the run. And sometimes we have to overcome our self-pity. We have these pity parties and we want people feeling sorry for us. Remember Elijah said he was the only one serving God and he said that he came and sat down under a juniper tree and asked God that he might die and said, It's enough, O Lord. 
take my life for I'm no better than my father's. And he lay down on that juniper tree. Well, while pitting himself, Elijah asked for death, saying, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life. But his situation reveals seven problems that can fatigue and erode our attitudes. You know, if we see the church and we got so many things, and uh, you didn't got old and seem like your children didn't abandon you and you broke and your dog didn't left and your car and everything won't work right and different things going on, you start having pity parties and your health is deteriorating. See, that's what was going on, Job sitting around, and they said instead of his friends pitying him or feeling sorry for him. See, because we can't not overlook mercy. Sometimes his situations reveal problems and fatigue in our attitude, and that's where God comes in and gives you a spirit of Christ and not a spirit of fear of what can happen or what has happened. He presumes the outcome and focuses on the problem and himself and becomes physically exhausted because if he wanted to die, he could have just stayed where he was. Jezebel would have accommodated him then. He didn't have to run a hundred miles and fall down under a juniper tree. If he wanted to die, Jezebel told him she would have killed him that next day. You didn't really want to die or whatever. God provides the solution to alleviate our self-pity, you know, and pray pray for God's help. Rest, find a new focus and new expectations and repent of sins and take obedient action. Because instead of him praying to God then and asking God and talking with God, he ran and it, it got him discombobulated that the same evil of the same wickedness that you leave here, it's going to meet you where you're going or whatever. Just as God was where he went that hundred miles away, God was right there. That's why he says, cease not to pray. Pray all the time. You don't have to go anywhere that if you know that God's present with you. When Elijah crawled into that chair, God commands him to get up and get moving. He told him, you go anoint Elisha. He told Elijah to go anoint Elisha. Because now you didn't let the woman put you on the run. You didn't, you didn't become fearful and where I can't use you anymore or whatever. You go anoint uh, Elijah and you go anoint this uh, Jehu. He's going to deal with Jezebel, this woman that you're afraid of. We can't be afraid here in Christianity. We will have to start fighting the enemy and get rid of these self-defeated. He wants us to be overcomers. He wants us to speak to the problems. He wants us to be able to stand against the problem. As Paul stood against the chief deputy and says, the Holy Ghost says that thus thou shalt be blinded. We will have to start calling down the judgment on these people as David prayed prayers of imprecations down on his enemy. This this person has hurt me, Lord. I want you to kill him, his family, and everything he has to do with it. I want you to do all these things. Read some of the prayers of imprecations that David has in the book of Psalms because it says, tell God your problems, how you feeling in everything. And watch the quiet ones because there's a lot of quiet people. Oh, you heard me, I'm doing it. But they got the har- harboring all that wickedness, that grudge, and that bitterness of what somebody did, and they hadn't let it go. Instead of hiding it way down in there, whatever. You remember, I said the word of God brings that up. The truthfulness of the word of God. He tells us to tell us, cast your cares, cast your burdens, cast all that up on me. But no, you just want to bear it in and just hate that person forever for what they did for you twenty years ago. He says, beware lest a root of bitterness come in. See, that's the root of bitterness. You have to watch it because you flush. And doubt those things, when you tempt to do good, evil is right there. And you will remember this and you will always hate and have a compunction of propensity toward this evil. So now God's word is not having free reign in your life. Who had believed? 
anybody that has the hope of the gospel, the hope of Jesus Christ, purges himself. He purifies himself. He lays self on the altar and crucifies self. He puts self to death. You have to examine before we come to the table. He says, let a man examine yourself. That means you have to judge yourself. Stop judging everybody. Yeah, because all these people did do you. you no, know, you're not paranoid. What's happening is happening. But you're wicked and evil because you don't see. You did it because God sent them to do it to you. You know, he sent Solomon enemies because he had blessed Solomon and gave Solomon every, everything a man could want. He said, but those women could draw your heart away from me, Solomon, when you get older. Solomon transgressed God and he built Chemosh a house. He built a house for Molech and he did all of these things and God had warned him. So God started raising up. He raised up Jeroboam. He raised up Hadad. He raised up several other people against Solomon because he says, I'm going to take those ten tribes away from you, but I'm going to leave one tribe for my servant David. God doesn't take everything away from you. So you see preachers and things that has fallen from grace. And we have one or two here in the city of Baton Rouge that have been big time preachers and evangelists and everything. They may fall. They may not completely fall down all the way, but they're, they're not part half what they used to be. Because they've sinned against God and they thought and looked and they wasn't judging themselves. Some of the things that they worked against, against pornography and all of these other things, the way they addressed other people while doing that, they didn't realize that you're human also. Be careful in judging your brother unless the same thing befall you. So that sexual sin that they were fighting and preaching against, they fell into those same sexual sins. So those homosexuals that they fought, we had one or two that was tied up with one of the largest churches here, it got tied up with homosexuality or whatever, and some of the people that were in that church, the preachers and things, were tied up in homosexuality. Be careful fighting Satan, because a lot of the fighting you're doing it's because of the demons within your own self. And the only way you exercising those demons out is to crucify somebody else. The Lord's not doing that. That's you doing that because of a fear or insecurity in you. You don't believe God's report. The arm of the Lord's not revealed unto you. You're the one doing the whacking. Jehu, as much as he did, and God appointed him to do this, Elijah was the one that anointed him to do this. And God had promised what all he would do. But we see in the fourth generation, and we read the book of Hosea, we see he says, I'm going to have to destroy the whole house of Jehu. Jehu went too far in the Lord. In other words, he was too zealous for God. He was although much righteous. He was super righteous as the Pharisees was. They were super righteous. They wasn't like that publican. He says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all of these things. I'm not like him. Yeah, but you're super righteous. You're holier than thou. You know, it's a lot of spouses that talk the husband or the wife down, and they're worse than that husband or wife because you have hatred and bitterness in you. But that's natural what that spouse has. God may save that spouse, and you may be lost because you're vindictive and evil. You see, so we have to beware here. It says, as Elijah, we have to realize when Christ came preaching the kingdom of God, he preached repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So we have to learn that the battle is the Lord's. We have to let the Lord fight our battles. Peace builds the house of God. Peace builds the house of God. But not chicanery. Not chicanery is a whole different thing. Faith. What is faith? Romans 3, 4, Romans 4 and 3 says, What does the scripture say? Abraham believed in 
and trusted on God. And it was credited to his account as righteousness, that he is right living, right standing with God. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God, and that is why God canceled his sin and declared him not guilty. Uh, now, the New Testament translation by William Barclay says, uh, the commentary writes this verse as saying, What does scripture say? Abraham took God at his word, and that act of faith was accepted as putting him in a right relationship with God. Abraham's act of faith was to believe the words of God. Simply, faith is believing what God says. That is, from Genesis to Revelation, we have to believe God and trust God. That belief, that faith, is what pleases God putting us in a position to have a right relationship with him. And a right relationship, even on a human level, must have trust as a foundation. You and your spouse get together, and y'all was together before y'all got together, and y'all did some things. He or she will never trust one another because the relationship is not built on trust. That's why gangsters fall out with one another because you're killing somebody and I kill somebody for you or whatever. I know you're a killer. I'm not going to ever trust you. I'm a fool if I do. Crooks always fall out with one another. A relationship has to have trust as the foundation. And that's why faith is the substance. It's the foundation. It's the belief. See, and it took a long time for Abraham to develop this because you know, him and Sarah was looked the kind that was like those that had did many works. Yes. They loved it to help God. Sarah said, well, look, you go in into Hagar, and she can have your child. That brought in him, miss. That brought in miss. That, that's why Ishmael was born. You trying to help God? God don't need your help. God needs you to do what he asks you to do. That's why a lot of people say, I was just trying to do that to help. Well, your righteousness is as filthy rags. Your help is, is not any good help. That's why I say, our righteousness is filthy rags. So that what Sarah did caused her to have to cast Hagar out. When it got down to Abraham actually believing God, he didn't even tell Sarah what he was doing. He just took Isaac up. He didn't tell his servants or nobody. He just took Isaac up to the hill and he laid it on God and he said, I'm going to kill Isaac. It's God's problem to raise him back. That's God to make him the heir. You see, he believed God. And then God said, don't kill him. I believe you're not. But long as you was lying and going on talking about Sarah, your sister and all that, you don't actually believe me to keep you secure. You don't believe me to keep you safe. Is that what Rebecca did? Rebecca did it through chicanery to get Jacob the birthright. You know what she brought about? That she never did see Jacob no more. Notice that when Jacob came back running from Esau, when he came back, it was to bury his father Isaac. Rebecca was gone. You see, we need to stop working in the flesh. It's by grace are we saved through faith. And faith follows God and believes God. We can't see it, so it's not our ideas and everything, but we do the thing by the Word of God. If God tells us to do something, it's like with the water and the wine. That was my first sermon. I invited my mother to the church on 39th Street, and I was preaching, and it was changing water to wine. It, what Jesus Mary told him, says, whatever he say, do it. If he say, just pour all this out and fill the water pots up, you fill the water pots up. Whatever he say, do, do it. We just have to do what God's telling us to do. See, we're not freeing of ourselves that, so that Jesus can talk to us. You're depending on, I always tell my wife, don't follow me too closely. You keep your eyes on Jesus because I might make a mistake. I don't want to be your idol. I don't want you to say, well, you said, no, don't put it on me. Did you believe God was telling me to do that? Is there God's in it? Because if it was me, I could make a mistake. 
That's why you have to let your children see you capable of making mistakes and that Father is not always perfect, but God is. Tell them God's watching you. Now that's who you have to give account to. I could be wrong. I, I'm fallible, but God's infallible. Everybody has have to have a conversation with Jesus as you led by the Spirit of God. You have to be led. Now the Spirit of God is going if you line up with the Spirit of God, you honor your parents. You will respect your parents. You will give deference to your parents. Because it's all in accord with God's word and it gives you long life. Jesus wasn't being disrespectful when he says, didn't you know I have to be about my father's business? He was telling her what the priorities was in his life. When they said your mother and your brothers are out here to see you, and he said, who's my father and who's my mother or brother? I'm busy preaching the gospel. He says, those that do the will of my father, my mother, father, sister, brother. See, because the enemies of your own household may be those that's living with you. That's why he says you must hate mother, father, sister, brother, because sometimes their ideas and opinions are just that, their ideas and opinions. But what does the word of God say? So now we can see those who believe the report and whom the arm of the Lord revealed because no, I'm scared to transgress God. I have the fear of God in me. Yes. So somebody say, you know, God's been with that. You know, they, they noticed Peter' boldness, and Peter says, you ought to obey God rather than man. Now, is this the same God that was flinching when these three women said that they had knew he was with Jesus or whatever? See, God gives you a certain amount of boldness that you don't fear death. You don't fear the consequences. You don't fear him that can destroy the body. You don't fear circumstances or whatever. You're content with such that you have. And God give it and God take it away. But if I'm following God, if I'm doing things by his commandments and his word, it shows that I believe what God has said. It boils down that I have faith and confidence in God. And the last point here. Taking action. You remember I said faith has works? Yes. Second Peter 1 and 10 says, Wherefore the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and your election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Therefore, believers, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. Be sure that your behavior reflects and confirms your relationship with God. You remember I said you can tell a tree by the fruit it bears. See, a lot of times I'm not saying that's the only way to judge, but some things tells me what kind of relationship you have with God. Your conduct and your behavior, your demeanor tells me the relationship or the fruitfulness of those things. That's why he says, make your election and calling sure. Because the whole while, you always pressing on for the growing Christ Jesus, you hungering and thirsting for his righteousness. Now every level and every step you go, that step is sure, and it leads to a greater faith, a stronger faith. But if you don't never step out on faith, you're not going to ever make the big decision. You're not going to ever be up on the big stage. You're not going to ever accomplish what God wants you to do because you're afraid of man's opinion. You're afraid of man making you shame. You're afraid of how it would look to somebody else. You're afraid and don't trust yourself as Elijah did. You have to trust God. You may not see it, but there's 7,000 others over there just like you who hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. You understand that? Yes. So the crowd may not be right, but it's a lot of people like to do what's popular. And they say, oh, you old-fashioned, everybody doing it this way or not. I don't care if everybody's doing it that way. God tells me to do this. I'm having faith that I'm doing it the way God said do it. For by doing these things actively, developing these virtues, you will never stumble in your spiritual growth and will live a life that leads others away from sin. 
uh, the living says, so dear brothers, work hard to prove that you really are among those who has called and cho- who were called and chosen, and then you will never stumble or falling away. Now each passing day reinforces the fact that we live in dangerous times. And I shouldn't have started this last point because I'm gonna to have to go too far over the, the the go too far over to get the whole point in. Uh, but what happens is the return of Jesus Christ. If we're studying God's word, and I tell everybody that I think it's right at the door that Jesus Christ is near, and He shows these things to His friends and what's going on. And when we consider this along with the greatness of our God-given opportunities, we should be urgently motivated to ensure of our calling and election that this is what God had chosen for us. This is the way that we're walking in. I think he's going to let me complete the work that I'm doing. I think he's going to cause it to be fruitful and that that's, that's living by hope and faith each day, I don't know, but I know what his word says. And so that's what causes me to diligently work and press on and not slack up. Heavenly Father, as we come.